right, it is Drop Zone episode number two this week. This is Sean Zock and Dylan DeChair. We are here from the Genesis Invitational. Earlier this week, we had Jeff Shackelford on the podcast. He knows everything there is to know about this event and Riviera Country Club. We are talking with a couple other people that are involved. One is Joseph Bramlett. The other is Irvin Raphael. Bramlett is the Charlie Sifford exemption into this event. Yeah. And can I say, if people are looking for someone to root for this week, Joseph Bramlett has to be your guy. Yeah. 31 years old. He was the youngest ever guy to qualify for the USAM. And, you know, he basically took like seven years away from the top <laughs> levels of the game. I mean, as someone... And he's back. As someone who tried to play pro golf for a couple of years and then, you know, saw the writing on the wall and quit. Yeah. I have major admiration for someone that saw the top of the tower and then went to the deepest dungeon oh. and now has yeah he's out of it he he's has back made on the PGA his way tour. back he's a legit pga tour player Full coming status. off a top 20 last week at pebble so he was a great guy to talk to yeah we talked to him for about 20 minutes we talked to Raphael, who is the coo of genesis for another 15 or 20 minutes and he told us basically everything that their brand is doing here this week why they love this event why they love la golf Stay tuned for that a little bit later. For now, here is Joseph Bramlett. All right, we are here in uh, what is now the Genesis Invitational Press Conference Center with Joseph Bramlett, the Charlie Sifford exemption this week. Not your first time as the Charlie Sifford exemption, but a lot has changed in your life since 2011 when you were in that position for the first time. Uh, you just came off a of top 20 at Pebble. How are you feeling about the game right now? I feel good. Yeah, I feel really good. My coach and I did a lot of hard work in the off season. Uh, I felt like I was showing some good signs the first couple events this season. And then uh, to have a nice, respectable finish last week was a good, solid step forward. For people that don't know your backstory, like, let's just rip through the life. <laughs> is that a pun? Is, is backstory is a pun? Back, oh. Yeah, I see what you're doing. You're taking, sh- taking shots at me <laughs> yeah. 10 seconds in. Kind of rude, actually. Um, <laughs> You were a phenom growing up. Tell us just a little bit about where you're from, you know, how you got here. Wow. Um, okay. Well, life story. Yeah. Here yeah. we, here we go. I grew up, <laughs> yeah. Good. I grew up in San Jose, California. Uh, I was born at Stanford Hospital. I uh, grew up playing junior golf in the San Jose Bay Area. Um, yeah. When I was 14, I was the youngest to compete in the U.S. Amateur. That was a big, big accomplishment for me at the time. And 14 years old. Yeah. It was very young. Yeah. It was really cool. I, uh, I was got a little bit of media coverage and a lot of attention from college coaches. So it made the recruiting process really easy for me. And um, yeah, from there, I played a lot of amateur golf in Northern California. I went to school at Stanford, um, was able to graduate in 2010. And uh, at the end of the year, I went through Q school and was able to get out here in 2011, uh, straight out of college, which was amazing. That's a big deal. It was a big not deal. Not many people can pull that off no, right it, away. No, not at all. And it was, it was incredible. It was an amazing experience. Uh, I would say that I was probably a little bit unprepared for some of the things that came along with playing professional golf. Like what? Just how frequently we compete. Yeah. Uh, growing up, I would play a tournament for three days and then I'd take two or three weeks off. Yeah 
prepping for the next tournament. Yeah. And out here, if you miss a cut, you've got like five days to get ready for the next one. Mm -hmm. And you, my, my rookie year, I played nine events in a row and I played 11 out of 12 weeks straight. So I had never done anything like that. That was an introduction and to yeah. a big life. Yeah, it was, it was just a huge life shock. I mean, not only was I competing that often, but I also didn't go home for like two or three months and I'd never done that before. Yeah. So it was just, it was a big growing experience. That, that lines up with a lot of what tour rookies have told me in the past. I know Harold Varner said something like that. Just like your first year is such a learning curve, which kind of, you know, sometimes guys like Matt Wolf or Morikawa, they like snap their finger and it happens and they just get it. But that is much more a rarity than what is the norm. No, absolutely. And my hat off to them. I mean, they've, they've played incredible right out of college, which I mean, shows a lot about what they can do. Um, but it's, it's hard to do that. And yeah, I, uh, I took the, the learning curve route. <laughs> yeah. Are you a Niners fan? Absolutely. Oh, oh yeah, How absolutely. Are you? are you over it yet? <sighs> it was uh, it was definitely a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. Um, starting out the year, I was really pumped because I thought we might make the playoffs. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, I was shit. really pumped. I was like, we might be in contention again. And then eight games in, I was like, we're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, I knew going against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl was going to be hard because they're so dangerous. And Is Jimmy G... The truth for you is he the one? Jimmy G's my guy, okay. and I'm gonna roll with okay. him. Okay, I like it. Uh, yeah, I mean, from a, a franchise that's had Joe Montana and Steve Young, I mean, we have very high expectations at yeah, quarterback, no doubt. When Jimmy G came to the Niners, the excitement around the Niners went through the roof. <laughs> this and is so true. They didn't I have a lot going for him when that we happened. didn't have anything going for yeah. us at the time. So um, he has helped the culture shift mm -hmm. uh, in San Francisco. And for those reasons alone, I'm riding with him. As a Packers fan, the Niners whooped our ass twice this year. Yeah, so I, was gonna I say, got nothing, I got nothing good to say about them. They're, they're, they're better. They're scary. So. Wow. Yeah. That was a good football interlude there. I kind of yeah. like that. Should we stick with just the football lines? We can. Let's talk about Shanahan yeah, for the yeah. next 45 minutes. <laughs> uh, 2011. Yeah. Let's move back. Went there. well. You played well, but you didn't quite keep your card, right? You were just a few thousand dollars away 4, from 000. keeping your status. Yeah. How, I mean, how do you, how do you process being so close, you know, being on the grind for that whole year and then just missing out on keeping your card? Um, it, it was tough. It was, it was a tough experience. So 2011, um, was my rookie year out here on the PGA tour. And, uh, that year I actually got my head kicked in pretty good. I, I didn't, I didn't come quite that close to keeping my card. I think I finished around 195 on the money list, but the next year was my first year on the, what is now the Corn Ferry oh, Tour. That's okay. And so I think that's what you're referencing. That year, um, I was inside the top 25 all year and thought I was gonna get my PGA Tour card back. I was really excited because now I had this experience with me. I was looking forward to getting back and I came up a shot short in our last tournament, the Tour Championship. One shot short. One shot short and I was, uh, I was devastated. Did I mean, you know at the time kind of where you stood, where you needed to finish? Or? You never know for sure because I think it was the Tour Championship. There were 60 guys playing. I was somewhere around 25th. And so there were a lot of guys behind me that were playing well. And you never know where it's going to shake out. So um, I knew I needed to get it's every shot out of it as I could. Like, yeah. When you know that like there's little decisions you make on the golf course have these really big effects on the rest of your life. Yeah, and that's what you train for as a kid to block all that stuff out and yeah. just kind of stay, you know, that Are typical that? cliche, stay present, stay in the moment. I think I've put myself in that situation so many times <laughs> that I'm much more prepared for yeah. it. Oh, <laughs> I've, I've learned to do it, but it's, it's really stressful. And yeah, 
So tell me about life since then, because now you're currently thriving on the PGA Tour. But what happened between 2012 and now? What was your road back like? Yeah, so halfway through the 2013 season, uh, I was warming up for the Utah Championship and first swing with the lob wedge, I just got this searing pain throughout my whole body. And I felt like every nerve in my body was set on fire and like I just got stuck. I couldn't move, Um, had no idea what it was. I hadn't had anything like that happen before. So um, I tried to get some treatment, you know, one thing led to another and I had to withdraw from the tournament the next day, couldn't play. And, um, yeah, I spent the next six weeks at home laying on the floor. Um, That's such a visceral description. My, my, every nerve in my body felt like it was on fire. Yeah, it was something I've never experienced before. And anyone with back pain probably has a reference exactly to what I'm talking to. Um, but it's, it's just such a humbling experience because, you know, I went from being a professional athlete who does everything with my body to, I mean, laying on the floor and you know, asking, you know, loved ones if they can like bring me some food or like not brushing my teeth for days at a time because I just can't bend over to do it. Um, So it's just, it's, it's a very, very humbling experience. It's gotta be one of those things that you and I, we can listen to you describe it. We can't understand it until it happens to you. Like no one can really understand back pain until they have back pain. At least that's my understanding of it. Yeah, I'd say that's fair. I certainly had no idea what I was getting into at the time either. And um, I mean, there's a lot of people to deal with it, though. And that's, I think, the scary thing is that like it's the back dictates everything that moves in your body. So if that computer has a problem, nothing else functions. And um, but yeah, I mean, it was from there. I got a lot of imaging and a lot of MRIs taken. And we started to realize that I, I had an annular tear to my L4, L5 disc. And that takes 18 months to heal on average. So that wasn't fun news to hear from the doctor. Um, what goes through your brain when he says 18 months? I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like, yeah. this is yeah. 18 months. What takes 18 months to heal? <laughs> right. Like, no, you yeah, break a leg, medicine. it takes. Yeah. Like, I'm like, yeah. we're sending guys to the moon and it's going to yeah. take 18 months. Like, I don't, how does that even, but wow. um, it just shows you how delicate and fragile, you know, the human body is. And, um, you know, from that point, point I just started trying to figure out any routes I could take to speed up the process I saw 15 different spine surgeons and the first 14 told me I wasn't a candidate for surgery all they could do was implement rods in my back and that would end my career and then the last guy (laughs) the last guy was like yeah I mean I can open you up and take a look (laughs) were you looking for that information from like were you looking for someone that would agree to surgery or I I was I I knew surgery was not the best long-term solution but I started getting impatient and I was wanting someone to fix my problem yeah um and I mean think about the guy that is the host this week yeah the same exact things multiple surgeries so I, I imagine yeah and and as an athlete like we do things with our bodies and we want to you know be strong and get back out there and and get to work and um yeah i didn't i I couldn't do that so i actually was considering the last guy pretty good and it's where my girlfriend stepped in and she's like you're not going to do this like you're not having an experiment 14 doctors might have a point yeah exploratory back (laughs) surgery she's like go see this guy that i know uh he's a physical therapist and so yeah she got me in touch with my current physical therapist cody fowler and uh yeah, from there we started piecing together how my body moved and kind of getting me back on uh, on track. Wow. And Does it, Cody pinpoint something that you were doing wrong? Was there an aspect of your original golf swing or your lifestyle that was putting, you know, immense pressure on that 
little Absolutely. spot in the back. Yeah. So what were my, you drawing? If I if I could rewind just a little bit, I no, it's all good. I started working with my new and current swing coach um, probably about eight months before I saw Cody, and so we started to address a lot of issues in my golf swing that were causing the problems. I had horrible footwork. Um, I didn't use my hips at all in my swing. I basically just torqued my low back every time Your I turned. Footwork was it just like locked into the ground? Or? No, so I was that guy who's like both feet are off the ground at impact, his left mm -hmm. knee's locked, his hips are spun out way too fast, oh, gosh. and I'm just in like a lot of side bended impact. Oh, so, really? I mean, I was doing a lot of hard work on my low back that I didn't need to be doing. And uh, at the time, I didn't realize that it was gonna cause a physical problem with me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so my, my swing coach kind of identified some of those issues and then working with Cody, he started really working on like how my feet and ankles moved, how my hips moved, how my shoulders moved, and trying to get like all of the joints around my back moving correctly and teach me how to have ownership of those movements so that I could make those swing changes work. Um, so there was the blending of those two that really- I, mean, the, I feel like the process had to seem daunting because you know it's like these little baby steps that you need to fix first. Then you can start looking at the swing then you can start looking at playing to the level that you once played. I'm curious if you ever felt like you would never get back to a PGA Tour level, a Corn Ferry Tour level, if you if you thought you know professional golf might not be on the table. Yeah, well, and I think right now we're looking at it from like a different perspective because we're looking back at the process I went through. And at the time, as I was going through it, I mean, there's like a lot of times I'd start going down a rabbit hole and then realize this isn't working, this isn't getting me where I need to be, now I need to find a new plan and a new strategy. And I didn't always know what was causing what. So I didn't yeah. know if it was my body that was causing the way I swung the club or like if it was my golf swing that was causing wow. the issues. So yeah. it was, at the time, I felt like I was kind of just in this web, in this mess. And I'm like, I don't know what changes I'm making that are actually getting me somewhere and which yeah. ones I'm not. So it was sifting through those that I think was more of like the mental and emotional struggle. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, there were definitely moments that I was, you know, when I was thinking about getting that exploratory surgery, that was about two and a half to three years into my wow. uh, absence from golf. And I'm like, look, it's been three years. Like, I need something that's yeah. going to get me back. Um, so there were there were definitely some doubts uh, at moments that, you know, am I going to be able to do this? And uh, thankfully, I did Were there out. people in your life telling you either A, keep at it this is this is your thing this is what you're meant to do like stay strong or be like hey maybe you know they were both selling insurance yeah. wouldn't be the worst thing yeah exactly i mean they were both um i've got a, a family who's been very supportive of me and they they know how much this means to me um golf has always been a unique relationship uh for me i've known like literally in kindergarten i knew i want to be on the pga tour one day this is what i want to do my friends are playing basketball and wanting to be astronauts and like nobody knew what the PGA tour was. So this, I've always seen this as myself and my self image. Um, so I knew deep down I was, I mean, I was either going to get here or I was going to go down swinging for a long time. And, um, thankfully, uh, when I started working with my swing coach and my PT, we started building some traction and I was able to start seeing, you know, mm -hmm. some days of pain-free golf come about and, and some progress being made. But, um, yeah, there was also some people who came up to me, and I'm not going to name names, but I'm <laughs> never going to forget, you know, that, you know, they came up and were like, oh, you're still at it? You're still trying this? I mean, hasn't it been a while? And um, 
looking back on it, yeah, it had been a while. And, uh, you know, I think for me it paid off and I'm, I'm just, I got a whole new level of appreciation to be where I'm at now. How much of an accomplishment do you consider it just to get back to this level? Yeah, I, th I think it's a great accomplishment for sure because I can go back and think about days that I was laying on the ground, couldn't move and didn't yeah. know if it was going to work. But I also know myself and I know what my goals are in this game. And I know that just being a member of the PGA Tour is not the end goal that I want. And it's not what I've strived for my whole life. So, um, you know, when I'm sitting in a rocking chair looking back on my life, I'll probably be like, yeah, that was pretty cool that I got back out there. But uh, right now I want a whole lot more. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm proud to be here. I'm really grateful to be here. And I hope that I can uh, make a whole lot out of it. Yeah. You mentioned in 2011 it was uh, there were two African-American players on tours, just you and Tiger Woods. How, how big a part of your identity on tour did you feel like that was? Was that something you thought about a lot? Did you talk to people about that? Or was it just, you know, sort of a, a fact that people knew about you? Yeah, I thought it was probably what I was recognized for. Um, I didn't, I mean, it's a, it's a piece of my identity. It's part of who I see myself as. Um, so it's always been a piece of me, but, um, I didn't see myself as like, oh, I'm the black guy out here playing on tour. Like I'm, I'm a golfer who's like mm -hmm. earned my card and I'm, I've earned my spot out here and I want to compete against the best in the world. And I've always seen myself as a competitor and that's probably the, the first frame in which I view myself. Um, but I think I saw the reason people looked at me and like the reason I had the, uh, some of the media coverage and attention that I did was because of that. Yeah. And does that put more pressure on you or anything like that? No, I mean, I didn't, I didn't feel the pressure to be honest from that. Uh, I put a lot of pressure on myself because I have really high goals for what I want to do. And, um, I think that internal pressure is, is just because I want to compete and I want to be number one and I want to win and do all those great things. So, um, I, I didn't really feel a lot of pressure from, from that angle. No. Yeah. It sounds like you put plenty of pressure on yourself as it is anyway. I feel like that's probably true of most guys out here. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then now you're back here. It's Tiger's event now. Mm -hmm. uh, you guys have plenty in common, California kids, Stanford kids. Have you gotten to know Tiger at all? I have, yeah. It's been, uh, it, he's been awesome to me. Um, going to Stanford, he's got a pretty close relationship with the school. Uh, my coach in college was his college teammate, so... There was always a connection there. I played on his foundation team as a kid. And then uh, I got to meet him once when I was 15. I uh, went out to his tournament he used to host at Sherwood. And I got to meet him at breakfast. And I was like the coolest thing that had ever happened to me at the time. And then uh, going to Stanford, um, we used to play a tournament at Isleworth every year when he lived there. Yeah. So he would come walk with us in the practice round and like watch us play a little bit and have us over for dinner one night. And I was like, this is weird. Like <laughs> yeah. Tiger's the watching goat. us play golf. <laughs> and now I'm like sitting on his couch and he's like telling us about his strategy and what he does. Wow. And like his Varden trophies are falling over because there's so many of them <laughs> on the fireplace. And I'm like, this is. That's incredible. The whole team was there. Uh, the whole team that traveled to the yeah. events. Yeah. So There's probably five or six of us uh, and our coaches and. Uh, I was, yeah, for a couple of years, it was just what we did. Like he would just have us over for dinner and we'd, you know, hang out. And I mean, he was really gracious, gracious with us and, um, answered any questions we asked. And it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. And then when I graduated Stanford, I got to play some practice rounds with him at the U S open at Pebble. And, um, yeah, he's been, he's been a great mentor to me. 
All right, before we let you go, a couple questions about just the rest of this year. You're back fully on tour. Sounds like you have big goals for yourself. What are your goals for this year? Is it as simple as retaining your card? Is it making waves? Where, where do you kind of set those personal goals? Yeah, the first goal is to retain my card. Yeah. I mean, I think anytime you do something, you have to take steps to get there. Uh, the long goal, I want to win major championships. And, um, you know, there's a lot of things I want to accomplish. But uh, the first few goals that I have for myself, I want to retain my card and I want to win a tournament. That's yep. kind of where I'm at for this year. And, uh, you know, I'm going to work really hard to try to knock some of those down and uh, hopefully we can... Do you feel like you're a rookie again? Does it feel like a little it is bit? A fresh start? Yeah, it's it's weird, man, because it's been because it's been so long, right? Yeah. Uh, in 2011, like a reborn I mean, again golfer. Yeah, I'm just I'm very different now. I, I mean, I have a whole lot more life experience behind me. I've got a whole another level of gratitude for being here because I know that it can be taken away pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And uh, in 2011, I mean, my memory's fuzzy. Like I'm, I'm getting a little older yeah. now, and like I'm, that's a long time ago. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I mean, some of the things I learned then, I'm like finding myself relearning a little bit yeah. uh, as I go through it again. So yeah, it's a weird mix. I'm like a, a veteran rookie. I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. a lot of the faces are the same, but some of them are different. Yeah, and, and, like, and everything. And I know some of the guys, and like some of them remember me. And I'm like, how do you even remember me? It's like 10 years ago. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> All right, my last question. I need to know if you have given it any thought that your birthday is on Tuesday of Masters Week. Your birthday was often during Masters Week. Wow. I mean, what it would be like, like to celebrate your birthday in Augusta? Oh, I think about that every year. I mean, yeah. that, honestly, that was one of the hardest parts of my injury was sitting at my birthday counting another year that I wasn't playing the Masters. Um, that was like one of the things that really tore at me um, because my birthday and the Masters, like I look forward to that so much every year. Mm-hmm. and. Um, I cannot wait to celebrate my birthday at Augusta. It'll happen. Um, I know Daniel Berger, I think, is on the 6th. You're on the 7th. Yeah. So Berger like, always celebrates his birthday in Augusta. He said it's the greatest week of his life. Oh, my God. That's... We can replay this clip when you get there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we will. I can't wait, man. I can't wait. Perfect. Well, thanks, Joseph. Good luck this week. Thank you guys for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Major thanks to Joseph Bramlett. He was very fun to talk to. And like Dylan said earlier, if you need someone to cheer for this week, that's your guy. He is your guy. Other things going on at the Genesis this week, some cool stuff. We are settling in. The sun is shining. (laughs) We're staying in the Pacific Palisades. Wandered down to the beach this morning. Mm. But on site, there's a lot of good stuff too. We watched A-Rod play golf. I did not know what A-Rod's golf swing looked like. We get out there and... He's not a bad swing. You can tell he's got a lot of baseball in his swing. You wrote about A-Rod's yeah. golf swing on golf.com. Complete breakdown of A-Rod's golf game. He had some weird some wrist action. sticks in the bag <laughs> this week. Jonathan Wall wrote about that. But it was funny seeing the Celebrity Cup, seeing all these people that are really famous. Yeah. Just kind of palling around and talking to Tiger and playing golf. Chris Pratt. I was wondering if Chris Pratt is more famous than Tiger Woods. I think we deduced that he was not. I, th- I don't think he is. I think in like, if you look at say Instagram followers, he's way more famous. Yeah. But if you think about everyone that doesn't have Instagram, mm-hmm. it's probably it's a more of a Tiger Woods crowd. But I had a fun time watching A-Rod play. I mean, he's bigger than I thought he was. He's a bigger dude than I imagined he was. Oh yeah. He's a big boy. And he's, I think he's getting bigger too. <laughs> Some interesting wrist action in his swing kind of kind of created a, some soft sort of chunky draws. Mm-hmm. But that's a, like I wrote, 
that's a predictable thing that takes away half away the golf course. So I want to see A-Rod's golf game progress. I want to know how those contacts get made. Is Tiger Woods calling up like Derek Fisher being like, Yo, D-Fish. Hey, man, we got this thing. We got this <laughs> six-hole challenge Monday at Riviera. I don't know. We're doing- A lot of people are out there watching, though. People it- were very interested. Yeah. Honestly, if Chris Pratt was spotted on the street in L.A., there would be a mob scene, yeah. be a swarm. So here, fans get like easy access, see him kind of just doing his thing. It was pretty yeah. cool. Elsewhere here on the property is this muralist. His name is Jonas Never. He's a, a guy that does all kinds of spray painting of murals in LA. He has done countless things for Kobe and LA and the Lakers. And he's actually done a number of murals here at the event. He's working on one as we speak. Um, that is based off of like Tiger's whole career here, which starts with him in 1992 as this young guy. Almost 30 years ago. Yeah. And, you know, you've got just out of adolescence, Tiger really playing in his first professional tour event. He is an amateur at the time. Now, elsewhere on that mural is modern Tiger, who is 44 years old and has aged and won championships and become a father and all these different things. It's all on one mural. I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. This dude, Jonas was cool. One thing that was interesting that he said is he did a private piece for Justin Thomas's like basement, his mm-hmm. trophy room. Yeah. I'd love to get a peek at that. I'm sure it is the, like the 2017 PGA championship. The next time JT invites us over, we'll <laughs> take some picks. Uh, elsewhere here at Genesis, they are celebrating the Genesis juggling challenge which is a cool little activation. They want to get people to show off their juggling abilities, golf juggling abilities. I am good at juggling a golf ball. I spent countless years in a pro shop with nothing to do but juggle golf balls on a wedge. You, as a professional golfer, have done the same. With very little to do. (laughs) With very little to do. Uh, You think you're better than me. I set the bar kind of high with 15 juggles. You eclipsed me, but you were the favorite. You were always going to do that. Yeah. I mean, we could have gone all afternoon, <laughs> the juggle challenge, but you know, there's restrictions to Instagram stories, things like that. So but people got to do this because why Genesis is donating money for every post. It's a dollar for every post. We'll get to that in a little bit with Irvin Raphael, but basically all you have to do is juggle a golf ball, post on Instagram or Twitter, wherever tag Genesis and they'll, they'll donate a dollar for every post. We're going to do that later this week. They are the ones who put up the money. It's great. It's for a great cause. And for more on that, here's our discussion with Irvin Raphael. All right. And joining us now is Irvin Raphael. He is the COO of Genesis. He knows a lot about how that brand has become one of the leading sponsors on the PGA Tour. And obviously for this week, the important sponsor, the title sponsor, Irvin, first off, thanks for joining us. How are you doing? Thank you so much for having me. I'm great. We are uh, we are in a conference room right over the top, looking over the course right now. It's actually just as good as our setting earlier today. Um, Genesis, as a brand, it is about young luxury. That's something it wants to show off. Um, as a relatively new title sponsor of PGA Tour, uh, obviously of a tour event, how do you try to marry young luxury to the golf space like what about golf and the tour appeals to genesis as a brand well let's talk about young luxury first yeah 
the bottom line is luxury is something that should be attainable and uh, in the reach of everyone. Uh, who's to say that luxury is something that only a select group of people that behave a certain way, that fit a certain box, uh, should subscribe to? So we believe that young luxury is not so much an age as a mindset. It's okay. a mindset of uh, energy. It's a mindset of uh, exploring. It's discovering things. It's nothing's impossible because we haven't as yet been taught what should be impossible and what shouldn't. Okay. And so if we can't address a situation one way, we're approaching a different way. And we come up with new, innovative ways of doing what we do. And so our belief is that we are here as a brand to make impossible extinct and to ignite exploration in, in everyone by infusing this spirit of youth and wonder into everything that we do. And, and bringing that to a golf event, must be interesting. I mean, from your perspective, looking at golf, looking at this course, this event, why do you think Genesis is here? Why do you think Genesis is involved here? This is the perfect place. One, I grew up looking at golf and I was the young kid that looked at what I thought were older people. They were, they were probably younger than <laughs> oh, yeah. I am right now uh, <laughs> playing golf. And the bottom line is, this is great. This is L.A., this is entertainment central america because we are east coasters mm -hmm. you're east coasters this is la this oh, is yeah. where it starts and yeah. we here we are overlooking pacific palisades overlooking the pacific ocean and we're bringing in this new spirit of youth and innovation to golf what are the things that we can do and how we approach golf that's different than what other people are doing and that's why we could sit here overlooking the 10th uh, fairway That's nice. and say, hey, this is something that fits our brand. Golf is based on respect. It's based on honor. And that's a lot of what our brand is about. So this is a natural fit for us right here in L.A. Yeah, I mean, it is certainly a different type of feel. I mean, we just watched Tiger Woods and Chris Pratt and Derek Fisher yeah. all standing on the 10th tee, and you definitely don't get that everywhere. Tiger is... The tournament host here, that's obviously something that does not happen every week on the PGA Tour. From your perspective, how does that impact the tournament and Genesis involvement? Well, let's just face it. Tiger actually is Tiger Woods. <laughs> so that's a big deal. And anything that's good for Tiger is good for golf. So when we were searching this for is true. a tournament to stand behind, we could think of no better host than Tiger himself. Mm -hmm. And I would add his foundation, the mm -hmm. TGR Foundation, which is focused on kids and educating kids. We have a foundation, the Genesis Inspiration Foundation, and we're focused on kids and educating kids. TGR is focused on STEM. We're focused on the arts. Mm -hmm. and so you put the A in STEM and you get STEAM, which, as you know, is a very <laughs> powerful source of energy. And that's, that's what we're about, using that energy to infuse the spirit of youth and wonder. So we work together with the TGR organization even outside of, of the tournament. I love that. Um, now, you played with Tiger in the Pro-Am in the past. You're going to play on the Wednesday morning Pro-Am this week. You've played with Rory in past years. What is that experience like for you as a golfer? How does uh, what do you do? You learn from those guys while you're golfing. Do you are you a good golfer? Do you get nervous on the first tee? I get nervous on the first tee almost every time I play. Yeah, same. Here. <laughs> and the, the bottom line is, Tiger's Tiger Woods. So you get out there; it's pretty exciting. I I never in my wildest dream thought I would ever 
be able to have a conversation with Tiger, much less play 18 holes, yeah. walk and talk and get to know him. Fortunately, I wasn't naive enough, and I'm still not naive enough to think there's anything I could ever do oh. to impress Tiger on the, on the sure. course. So I wasn't nervous about impressing Tiger. Uh, yes, there were times that the, the ridiculous galleries uh, made me a little yeah. un uncomfortable. A lot. You, know, you just get out there and you can't concentrate because you've got thousands of people following. Never been in that Tiger. situation myself. Uh, but it was great. Tiger uh, talked. He was very polite. Uh, we engaged in all kinds of conversations, golf and non-golf. Uh, no, he didn't help me uh, with my swing uh, <laughs> at all. But we had really great conversation, especially about the mental aspect of golf. Hmm. And, and it's a, an experience that I will never forget. Did you learn something uh, about the mental aspect that you took with you moving forward? Absolutely. Well, one of the things Tiger talked about was approaching every single shot with equal dignity. Yeah. Because a shot is a shot is a shot, whether it's a two-inch putt or a 300-yard drive, the bottom line is that's one. And, and and he talked about, you know, giving your all. So, so when you approach the ball, you go up there and you do your best every single time. Mm -hmm. And if you do that, then you know that you've done your best and you're successful. And a lot of times as golfers, you know, we have a tap in, we miss, or we don't concentrate on that uh, eight-inch putt, and nothing good happens when you do that. Yeah. And so the, this concept of equal dignity is something that I've taken not only around the golf course, but in life and in business, because you the reality is everywhere. you have many things in life where if we gave equal dignity, uh, we would do a lot better. It's very true. Mm -hmm. Now, this event, it's it has become the Genesis Invitational. Last year, it's a Genesis Open. It is now an Invitational, which is it's a big deal in the golf world. It has a bigger purse. It has a bigger field. It is now becoming one of the most important events. A really PGA good field. Yeah. Um, from Genesis' perspective, from your perspective, when you look at the future of this event and Genesis's involvement, what do you see? Do you have a vision? Sure. Actually, I will correct you on one aspect. Oh no! What did I get the, wrong? The field isn't bigger. The field is actually smaller. It went from oh, 44 yeah, yeah. to 120. Oh, but it's right? stacked though. It's, it's a stacked. Yeah, field. It's an efficient field. The first field. went from about 8 million to 9.3 million. So you have that much more money with fewer players. If you ask the tour players, they will tell you Riv is their top one, two, or three course in the world. Uh, the bottom line is you look out here, it's beautiful. It's not really, it doesn't look like it should be challenging. There aren't a bunch of trees. There's not a bunch of water. <laughs> it looks like it you. should be an easy walk in the park, but the bottom line is it's it's not, right? You hit the ball, you approach the green, and you've got uh, what we call a no-run Riviera. It just The ball just stops. Yeah. So you have to be absolutely rocket science precise. Mm -hmm. And so this is, this is just an amazing uh, field here. Everybody wants to play, so we've got really re a really strong field. Mm -hmm. uh, we've got, I think, seven or eight of the top ten, uh, like twenty of the top twenty-five. It, it might be up to nine of the top I ten. Think it's yeah, it's yeah. So, it's, so I mean, it 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 is up there. So it's pretty amazing uh, for us to to be able to sponsor this tournament uh, right here in LA. It's in our backyard. Uh, Tiger and his organization is here. Tiger's from LA. His uh, TGR Foundation's. Uh, headquartered in LA, mm -hmm. our headquarters right down the street. So for us, this is our hometown. We get to support kids through our foundation right here in LA. Uh, this is something that's long-term. We, we we signed a 10-year sponsorship. This is only year four. So every single year we go back and we focus on, hey, what can we do to make this even better, make it more okay. fun? 
get more people out here, especially younger people with energy. Mm. That's why we have like tomorrow we're gonna yes. have that rapper out there, yes. right? So we'll bring people out to bring bring a new taste yeah. uh, to golf in LA. We need the SoCal kids like that are listening to the drop zone to show up, right? Come on out. And do what, Dylan? Oh, well there's an activation on site this year called the Genesis Juggle Challenge. <laughs> Sean and I are going to get involved uh, later this week, but for the fans... I'm good at juggling golf ball. Are you? Yes. Better than like... Probably not better than golf you. Game? Probably not better than you, but I'm good. So for the fans that want to get involved, what should they know? How should they get involved? Well, I'll tell you what. This Juggle Challenge is amazing. The Genesis Juggle Challenge. You talk about Tiger. And I don't know if you guys are old enough to remember when Tiger did that oh, yeah. Yeah. commercial. Oh, you yeah. do. Okay. We're not that young. <laughs> Well, that that became a worldwide uh, uh, phenomenon, and people I started juggling as a result of that commercial. And so we've got people who make a living, quite frankly, doing some stunts that you just wouldn't even imagine. So as you get out there, grab your favorite wedge, and you get out there and juggle. Have somebody film. Mm-hmm. Have somebody film you, and you can upload your video to Instagram. Use our hashtag Genesis Juggle uh, Challenge and our at Genesis underscore USA mm-hmm. tag. And we will donate a dollar to charity for every single post. Up to $50,000 was my <laughs> original uh, commitment. But there's so much uh, energy out there that we might just go ahead and double Ooh, that. I like that. So thank you so much. Oof, I will do that. I was just reading about this. I don't know the original Tiger Woods juggling commercial. That wasn't supposed to be it a juggling commercial. No. He was, he was just, just doing it in between fun. takes. And yes. I think the director grabbed the camera and said, that's it. Yeah. We'll take <laughs> Forget the rest of whatever we were doing. Yeah. Who is going to win, though, out of you and me? Who will juggle it the most times? That's the real question. I don't think that's really a question. <laughs> Dylan's really good at golf. So I'm pretty sure I'm not going to win the juggle uh, challenge. <laughs> but you'll be involved. I will be involved. Good. I will get out there. I will post my own so you can you can look me up yeah. uh, and you'll see my, my juggle. I won't win, but I'll join in the fun. And so you don't have to be a phenomenal juggler to get out there and participate and support uh, these kids and support our foundation. All right. Well, thank you for joining us here on The Drop Zone and getting involved here. Thank you so much for having me. All right. That is it for this episode of The Drop Zone. Major thanks to Irvin Raphael and Joseph Bramlett and Dylan DeChere. It's been nice, Sean. It's been a nice week at Riviera, and it's going to be a really good tournament. We've got a lot of good stuff to come. Uh, If we can ask you to do one thing, first, subscribe to the podcast. Five stars. If we can ask you to do a a second thing, do the Genesis Juggle Challenge. The Genesis Juggle Challenge, as we've described already, how to get involved. You just post a video to Instagram or Twitter, participating, doing some juggling, hashtag Genesis Juggle Challenge and tag Genesis underscore USA. Get involved. That's going to do it for this episode of The Drop Zone. But Sean, we have got a lot more coming this week from Riviera. We're going to be writing all tournament on golf.com. We're going to be recording a recap. We've got a really fun player interview that I'm excited for you guys to hear. So be sure to keep following along all the action from The Drop Zone.